0: This is a really interesting story that we're going to get into here. We're going to talk about biofuels and how it's a really, really big opportunity for our part of the country specifically, and we're already seeing some things moving forward, like big, big things moving forward, but at the same time, there's a real worry that could all get derailed, not because of anything we're doing necessarily, maybe what we're not doing in response to what our neighbors to the south are doing. It's all interconnected, as you know, and um, all of this opportunity and this growth potential that we have right now could evaporate. If we don't handle this correctly. Um, so let's get a conversation going about what is happening and what the concern is. We're going to speak with David Schick, who is Vice President of Western Canada and Regulatory Affairs for the Canadian Fuels Association. David, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time today.
1: Hey, good morning, Shay. A pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: This is a a really interesting sector that we haven't talked a lot about, but a lot of things are happening. When we we talk about biofuel production in Canada, let's start with production. We're seeing it primarily from canola, right? And it's really ramping up.
1: It is. There's some tremendous projects um, on the books to uh, try to move forward over the next year or so. About $10 billion worth of projects on canola side. Uh, We're also producing ethanol in Canada. But unfortunately, these products were importing a lot of it today, about half of the ethanol and virtually all of the renewable diesel, which is what the canola um, projects build for. And it's a tremendous opportunity to get environmental benefit. So
0: the, the projects that we're developing, like you say, there's 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 one in Lloydminster, there's some in Alberta, there's some in BC. I mean, all kinds of you know canola crushing plants and all these sorts of things, and some refineries. So, is the goal here to sort of be more domestically centered, where we're not doing some of that importation?
1: And that's exactly what we're looking for. We want to make sure that we have the reliability of supply, and we get the tremendous economic activity that comes from the construction and the ongoing operation of these facilities. Um, The risk is that um, down in the States, they have this new program called the Inflation Reduction Act, which doesn't have any regulatory constructs, but it's about $370 billion worth of incentive support. And so what we're working on with the federal and provincial governments is to try to come up with an investment climate that allows us to get these projects built up here. We don't want to be in a situation where we have our feedstocks because we have a tremendous advantage in that things like canola and forestry residues and, and agricultural residues over time, we lose those opportunities to build it here, those products, those feedstocks will go to the states, and uh, we'll lose all of that, uh, all those good jobs.
0: And part of the concern here, like you say, it's all about the United States, and it's the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act, right? And some of the 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 wording and, and the language around biofuels within that could throw everything we're doing into a tailspin. Why? What does the Inflation Reduction Act in the United States say around this?
1: What it does is it helps support the operating expense of these new facilities. So these transitions are are costly, and they're putting in investment um, incentives down there that can be many cents per liter. So what we need to do in Canada is make sure that we're recognizing the economic activity that these projects support and also making sure that we have that parity because – the way the production tax credit works is you have to produce the product in the United States in order to get this benefit. Uh, Historically, we've been able to have products made in Canada sent to the States for something called the Blender's Tax Credit, but now smart industrial policy on the American side. uh, They're making sure that all that economic activity is, is directed down to the States, and it's big enough that it's also drawing in projects from around the world.
0: So, what do we need to do to counter that, and are we doing it?
1: We're working on it. We're actively working with all levels of government, um, particularly at the federal level, to explain the importance of biofuels because it really is the near-term opportunity for us um, to get tremendous GHG reductions because we don't have to change the fleet, Uh, we don't have to change our infrastructure. Whereas things like electrification and people talk a lot about hydrogen, that's going to take time and a lot of money. So what we're doing is looking at what sorts of like investment tax credits is one thing other operational um, supports so that we can get the ball rolling in Canada, get these $10 billion of the projects across the line and get them built and that provides us with more reliability of supply and will lessen costs relative to importing it from from the yeah. U.S. I, I,
0: I guess the question is, when you when you see something like this happening and, you know, you're 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 talking about it. Obviously, you can see what's what's coming up and what we need to be doing and things like that. But sometimes government moves slowly and you need you need the government to be engaged in working on this. Is it happening? Do you think this potential catastrophe can be avoided?
1: I'm I'm hopeful. Um, There's a lot of interest and engagement. We're working almost daily with the federal government and and getting support in Alberta as well. And and Alberta is a phenomenal story in all of this because not only do we have the tremendous um, industrial infrastructure from the conventional uh, energy sector, but we also have proximity to a lot of the feedstocks that can be used in existing uh, refineries, for instance, that could make a really big difference. And so it does move slow, these projects yeah. or, or these policies are very big, um, like the Clean Fuel Regulation, um, they're a challenge to implement and develop, um, but we have positive engagement going on. We just have to keep the ball rolling because the clock is ticking on this.
0: Is it is it putting a damper on some of the investment? Like we were talking about, there's billions of dollars being flooded into this area. Are some companies taking a wait-and-see approach just to make sure that we don't end up in a bad spot?
1: Absolutely. Hmm. and and also that what they're looking at especially the major uh, major companies the big ones that look at the projects from a global scale they don't look at right. well what could we do in canada you know they'll look to the states and build those projects down there if we don't uh if we don't get some equalization in terms of um, the investment uh, opportunities up here
0: and the timeline here as, as we know i mean it, the clock's ticking right
1: absolutely it is you know the, the way i describe this and and you know from Alberta, you'll, under, you'll understand this. All the tremendous opportunity we had about 10 years ago on the LNG project. One went ahead and there was 19 on the table at one time And uh, off the BC coast. And, and the, the tremendous natural gas assets, assets we had could have been a, tr- a fantastic opportunity for the country, uh, but we didn't get the policies lined up in yeah. time and the, those, those projects went elsewhere.
0: Okay, I I really appreciate the insight, David, and uh, we'll follow this along and uh, check in for an update along the way.